When uh, last we met, we looked at some of the early aspects of the life and ministry of John the Baptist. We saw his claim to be a friend of the Saviour, and we sought to understand the meaning of a friend in the way that John used it in John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 29. We saw that the Jews regarded Moses as a friend of God. He expounded the glories, characteristics and the wonder of God uh, to the children of Israel. We saw that Abraham's servant, when he went in search of a bride for Rebekah, didn't speak of himself but just glorified everything about his master. We suggested that you look up and read Genesis 24 and do a little bit of study on that to see the role of the servant to his master the friend as uh, used by God in John's gospel was one who extolled and glorified his master and that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5 for we do not preach ourselves Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus sake our duty as being friends of Jesus is to glorify him to a lost world and make them fall in love with him who desires to be their heavenly bridegroom Jesus said to his disciples in John 15 verse 14 you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So John also we saw announced Jesus as the Lamb of God. We've mentioned this a few times recently. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The one who had come and who must die. But he had also then pronounced Jesus as the Bridegroom when he claimed to be the friend of the bridegroom in John's Gospel, chapter 3. But what we wonder is, did Jesus verify that title of bridegroom in and during his earthly ministry? We want to look at a few verses in Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 9 and verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the sons of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast. No one puts a piece of new cloth onto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up takes from the garment, and the terror is made worse. Nor do men put new wine into old wineskins, else the wineskins burst. The wine runs out, and the wineskins perish. 
but they put new wine into new wineskins. And both are preserved. Look carefully at the answer that Jesus gave. Can the sons of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast. Firstly, he was here saying quite clearly that he was the bridegroom. As we read and said last week, this was a truth which would be more fully understood and expanded by Paul when our Lord instituted the concept of his church and when the church was formed at Pentecost. And secondly, we should note that even at this early stage of his teaching and ministry, Jesus was showing that he would be taken away from them. Again, as we said last week, John had shown also at the outset that Jesus was the Lamb of God, indicating that Jesus had to die. So it was always to be that God's plan right from the outset of his son's earthly ministry and walk indeed right from eternity that Jesus came to die and that is why Jesus prayed in John 12:27 later on in his ministry and my soul is troubled and what shall i say father save me from this hour as he faced the cross But he says, for this cause I came to this hour. And again in Mark 8.31 And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And do you remember after his resurrection he joined himself with the two on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. And they had been discussing the crucifixion of Jesus and he came up. And here's some of the the conversation he had with them. And he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all things that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary... For the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus came to die. People say, oh, wouldn't it have been wonderful if the Jews had accepted Jesus when he came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey but Jesus had come to die the disciples of John here we have it came to Jesus to ask a question regarding the apparent non-keeping of the law by the disciples of Jesus in relation to fasting and I think his answer in this respect Uh, The same principles would apply to all aspects of law. 
and law-keeping as a ritual under the old covenant. Let's look at a couple of verses in Romans 3.20. Because by the works of the law none of all flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3.28 Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the works of the law. Romans 7 verse 4 Wherefore my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Galatians 2.19 For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. Christ is not here condemning fasting as something acceptable to his father but condemning it as a ritual under the law. The law was passing away. The law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The deeds necessary and described throughout the Old Testament were taken by Christ and fulfilled in Christ. So there was nothing of those rituals left under the Old Testament for Christians to keep under a new covenant. I was thinking about this. Suppose a a benefactor leaves his legacy to me with various conditions attached. If I carry out those conditions, then I receive the legacy and the will passes out of existence. The will or the testament of the benefactor is now dead in the eyes of the legal system of our country. I do not have to continue to keep any of those conditions anymore. There's no point. The will is dead. The Pharisees fasted as a rule under the law, but as far as Christians are concerned, the law is dead. We are not under law, but under grace. Hebrews 8.13 tells us, A new covenant he has made the first old. Now that which decays and becomes old is ready to vanish away. Jesus has given us a new covenant in his blood. And then he goes on in this passage in Matthew to give us two short parables. They just take up two verses between them. Firstly, in verse 16, No one puts a piece of new cloth onto an old garment. For that which is put in to fill fill it up takes from the garment and the tear is made worse. The old garment of the law as we saw in Hebrews 13, he has made the first one old. Now that which decays and becomes old is ready to vanish away. The old garment of the law was ready to vanish away. But a new garment has been given. 
The old law still appears to many to be good, but it has been replaced. It's dead. Look at who has made the law old. It says, He, God, has made the garment old in Hebrews 8.13. And if God has decided to make it old and decayed, we too shall be prepared to let it vanish away. But sadly, Christianity today and from very early times have clung on to the old law and its ordinances, seeking to add and marry the new covenant to the old. And we have ended up with the present chaos we see in so many of the main churches today around the world. A patched up useless mixture of the gospel of Christ and a load of ceremonies and doctrines binding the congregations in bondage and darkness. A useless threadbare garment ripped apart and exposing the nakedness of the message being proclaimed. And then secondly, verse 17. Nor do men put new wine into old wineskins, else the wineskins burst, and the wine runs out, and the wineskins perish. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved together. Now following on the thoughts of the previous verse, we have here wine and wineskins. Wine is spoken of a great deal in the scriptures. Not about wine. Way back in Genesis 14, we have an account of Melchizedek coming out to meet Abraham. Verse 18, Genesis 14. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. For those who have listened to the Tabernacle series, you will remember perhaps that Melchizedek is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. So here we have, him coming out and refreshing Abraham after a battle and he gives him bread and wine. In Psalm 104 we're told that bread sustains and strengtheneth the heart of man and wine cheers or maketh glad the heart of man. Bread sustains and strengthens the heart of man, and wine cheers or maketh glad the heart of man. We looked last week also at Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat, yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. 
Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? God wants us to have the joy of the Lord and to be sustained by him every day. Nehemiah tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. God wants us to be joyous, strong Christians. And he has guaranteed this by freely giving us wine and bread from his abundant hands. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us that we're a new creation in Jesus Christ. So that if anyone is in Christ, that one is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God has made us able, because we are a new creation, we're able to receive the new wine of freedom in Christ. Able to receive the full joy which our Saviour has promised each believer. And liberty in our worship and praise being indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We have the new wine in our new selves. Jesus here again warns of the dangers of putting this new wine of the joy and freedom we have been given through and in Christ back into the old worn out dead bottles of the old covenant. And what is the result if we do that according to Jesus? People are broken, they lose their joy and the whole result is one of total disaster and utter waste. There's just no comparison to having new wine in new bottles or the disaster of broken bottles and spilt wine. You know, we've just to look around. And what do we see today in churches? Set prayers made and repeated for hundreds of years from prayer books legalized by Acts of Parliament. A clergy class who dominate the leading of services under a license from their bishops, whose appointments are approved by an unholy government who declare that they alone have the right to administer, officiate and control the Lord's Supper and other services and through their ministry of absolution forgive the sins of their congregations. Listen to this. This is one of their official sites. Here's what it says. Only in the Anglican or other Catholic ordained ministries, however, can be found only in the Anglican and other Catholic ordained ministry, however, can be found the means to carry on the full, complete, sacramental worship spread by the Apostles. Anglicanism thus possesses something very special and very precious in the ordained apostolic ministry. How true the words of Jeremiah 
chapter 10 verse 3 the customs of the people are vain they have lost the wine and destroyed the wineskins as well it was prophesied by Jesus and had already started to occur in Paul's day and has gone on ever since that this would happen robbing the people of the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ 2 Corinthians 11.3 but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Gentiles as we are who were never under the law are now placing themselves under the law as Paul said to the Galatians who were doing the same thing Galatians 1 verse 6 I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another but there be some that trouble you and that would pervert the gospel of Christ for though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed as we said before so now I say again if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that we have received let him be accursed what were they doing they were marrying in the old covenant with the new covenant and he says in chapter 3 and verse 1 O foolish Galatians who bewitched you not to obey the truth to whom before your eyes Jesus Christ was written among you crucified this only I would learn from you did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith are you so foolish having begun in the spirit do you now perfect yourself in the flesh and then he goes on and I thought this was was interesting in Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone having been hanged on a tree so that the blessing of Abraham might be to the Gentiles or the nations in Jesus Christ and that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith let's look at what those verses actually mean Paul's explaining to them Paul explains so Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the same identical blessings that Abraham had received might come to us in Christ Jesus let's just stop there Christ redeemed us us the Jews from the curse of the law 
He's speaking about himself as a Jew. He says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. Why? Why? It says so that. In verse 14. So that. The blessing of Abraham. Might be. To the nations. The Gentiles. In Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Christ redeemed the Jews from the curse of the law so that the same identical blessings that Abraham had might come to the Gentiles in Jesus Christ. And we, we Jews and Gentiles, might receive what the Spirit promised Abraham through faith. What did the Spirit promise Abraham? Well, we have to go back to Genesis 12, verse 3. Abraham, in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Genesis 22:18. God made another statement that pertains to Gentiles. He said, Abraham, in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. What was Abraham's blessing through his seed? Abraham's seed was the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read that again. Christ redeemed us, the Jews, from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, so that the blessings of Abraham might be to the Gentiles, to the nations in Jesus Christ. And that Jews and Gentiles together might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What a wonderful promise that was to Abraham. That we are joined into that. And we have that blessing wonderful blessing of life through Jesus Christ let us move away from mixing up the old covenant with the new covenant and walk in faith in the spirit may God give us the ability to discern what is the true teaching of scripture apart from all the religious flotsam and jetsam that man has added that's floating around there get rid of all that get back to the plain simplicity of the gospel which is in Jesus Christ may God help us day by day